the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is made possible through the sponsorship of the Word of Life Bible Fellowship and through the generous giving of faithful donors like you. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at awordforlife.com. Welcome to A Word for Life. A Word for Life is the radio ministry of the Word of Life Bible Fellowship, located in Tacoma, Washington. And now, here's Pastor Michael Fields with A Word for Life. So we're going to be looking at John, the eighth chapter. Uh, We're going to be reading the first 11 verses of John, the eighth chapter. So John eight verses one through 11 is where we're going to go to on today. And for those that would like a topic for all that we will be discussing on today, dear ones, my topic is this Jesus encounter with a questionable woman. Now, dear ones, as we turn our attention to these verses of scripture that we have again here in John, the eighth chapter, starting at verse one. Notice, if you will, what the word of the Lord declares to us. It says, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives and early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came unto him and sat down and taught them. He sat down and taught them and the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Has no man condemned you? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Dear ones, as we turn our attention to these verses of Scripture, it is at this particular time that we are told that the Lord Jesus has come to the temple. And as the people began to make their way into where he was at, we are told that he sat down and he began to teach them. Um, But 
as Jesus is doing all of this, all of a sudden and seemingly out of nowhere, uh, the, cl- the, the calm and serenity of that scene was disrupted by a chaotic and confusing and aggressive mob that is coming before Jesus at this time. And the Bible lets us know they're coming before Jesus in this aggressive way, dragging this individual with them. They're dragging this woman behind them. And this woman, as we are about to find out, was an individual who was of a questionable character. This woman had a story. There were things in this woman's life. There were things going on in this woman's life that as we will begin to go on in the text, it'll begin to help us to understand what exactly it was. The reality of it is, dear ones, and for all of you watching on Facebook, the reality of it is all of us got a story. All of us have a story. Everybody has a story. And some, for some, not not everybody, some of you watching, it may may not be you, but just for some of us, we got questionable stories. (laughs) There there are question marks in our stories. There are, there's some have exclamation points. Some have question marks. Some have that, that line where it's just, it's, it's still to be continued. Lord have mercy. And so this woman that they're bringing before Jesus has some, some things going on. Now, dear ones, as we look at all that we are told in these verses of scripture, what I would like to suggest to all of you that what we are given here in these verses of scripture is a clear and insightful look into several things. One, we are given a clear look into the dangerous and the deceptive nature that self-righteousness has. So as we look at these verses of Scripture, dear ones, one of the things that we'll begin to talk about and begin to take notice notice of is the dangerous and deceptive nature that self-righteousness has. But another thing that we'll begin to look at as we look at these verses of Scripture, dear ones, is we will, we will begin to get a glimpse into the omniscient and the illuminating nature that the Lord Jesus has. The omniscient, the all-knowing, and the illuminating nature that the Lord Jesus himself has. And then the third thing that we'll begin to talk about as we look at these verses, dear ones, is we will begin to look at how mercy and truth must be balanced out together against one another. You must balance mercy and truth. They must be balanced with one another. If you have one more than the other, you are off balance and things will not go in the right way. So mercy and truth must be balanced out against one another. Now, we probably are not going to get to all that on today. We'll just kind of go as far as we can. Um, But we want to start on today. We want to start by taking a look at the issue of self-righteousness. So we want to begin to look at the issue of self-righteousness. Now, self-righteousness is defined like this. It is a feeling or a belief of moral superiority over others that is derived from a person's belief that their own a, a person's sense, I should say, a person's sense that their own belief, their own actions and their own affiliations all are of greater virtue than the average person. And so when you have a person who has a sense of self-righteousness, what you have, as I said, is a person who has a belief or a feeling of moral superiority over other folk. And that feeling of moral superiority is derived from their sense that their own beliefs, their own actions and their own affiliations are of greater virtue than the average person. It's just better than the average person. And so. Because of these things, self-righteous people often tend to be intolerant of the opinions or the behaviors of other people. 
Self-righteous people tend to be intolerant of other folk. And so there was now if you were to try and break down the constituent components of self-righteousness, if you were to try to do a, a, a spiritual examination of self-righteousness and say, OK, what makes up self-righteousness? What what parts come together to make a person believe that they are superior to other people, that they have a sense of self-righteousness about them. If, like if you were to try to break down water, it's hydrogen and oxygen, two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. Or if you were to try to break down sodium hydroxide, it's, it's sodium, it's, it's hydrogen and it's oxygen. You break the constituent parts down and you're able to see exactly what it's made up of. If you were to break down self-righteousness and try to begin to understand what are the things that come together that can cause a person to begin to believe these things about themselves. Dear ones, that spiritual makeup, that spiritual combination would look something like this. It'd be one part pride, one part arrogance, one part spiritual myopia or the inability for them to look inward and be reflective of themselves. It will be one part having a judgmental spirit and another part them just being mean, mean spirited. And then also to that mix that you're putting together, you would have to make sure that nothing like grace or mercy or kindness ever came close to any of that mix. Because if any of those things ever came close to that mix, it would contaminate your mixture of self-righteousness. So it, it, that's the kind of things that make up self-righteousness. It, it's, it's, as I said, it's pride, it's arrogance, it's, it's spiritual myopia. You can't see yourself. You aren't able to look inwardly and evaluate your own self. It is, as I said, a judgmental spirit. And it's your mean, you're just mean-spirited. And you can't have anything like mercy or grace or kindness. Can't have anything like that around that mix because it would contaminate it. It would make it it would make it ineffective in its ability to be self-righteous. And dear ones, as I was driving to church or as I should say, before I got in my car to drive the church, the Lord impressed upon me one more thing. Then we're moving on. Dear ones, real righteousness, real righteousness will always move a person to be willing to show mercy, to be open to extending grace and to be mindful that they need to be kind to other people. Real righteousness is will always move a person to do those things. Real righteousness, as I said, dear ones, it will always move a person to be willing to show grace or willing to show mercy, I should say, and be open to extending grace. And as I said, it will be it will cause a person to be mindful that they need to be kind to other people. But dear ones, self-righteousness, self-righteousness just makes a person mean. Self-righteousness just makes you mean. It makes you intolerant of other people and intolerant of their imperfections and intolerant of their of their failures. Dear runs, self-righteousness, it makes you cruel, it makes you critical, and it makes you condemning of other people. Amen. And hold your finger here in John, but let's all look real quickly to the book of James. Notice what James says about it. In James, the first chapter, notice what James says in verse 27. He says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world.
We will get back to Pastor Fields and to today's message in just a moment. But we wanted to take a moment to share with all of you that the aim of our radio ministry at the Word of Life Bible Fellowship is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with as many people as possible and to strengthen and edify the body of Christ through Bible teaching that is both clear and relevant. We would like to see this ministry go even farther in accomplishing this work, but in order for us to be able to do that, we need your help. If you are able, after you have given to the support of your own local home church, if you are able to help us with the cost of airing this program on the station, we would greatly appreciate it. All donations are tax deductible, and they can be sent to the Word of Life Bible Fellowship, P.O. Box 8903, Tacoma, Washington, 98418. And if you would like to learn more about our ministry and be able to listen to some of the archived messages from Pastor Fields, you can do so by visiting us at our website, which is awordforlife.com. And now, let's get back to Pastor Fields and to today's message. Notice, notice what James says. James says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. Pure religion or pure righteousness, it looks like this. You One, you visit the fatherless and the widows. In other words, you, you do what you can to help other people. And then the other thing is, you stop focusing on what other folk are doing and you pay attention to yourself. You look inwardly and you keep yourself unspotted from the world. In other words, real righteousness makes me focus on what I'm doing more than what I'm focusing on what you're doing. It makes me look inward and causes me to stop looking so much outwardly. But back in John, back in John, the the eighth chapter, dear ones, while some of us are familiar with this story and we have heard others speak and talk and teach about this, these verses of Scripture at different times, dear ones, I want for us to take a look at them on today, but I want for us to do three things as we do. I want for us, one, to slow down. Many of us have heard this story. We've talked about it. We've heard people teach about it, preach about it. But, dear ones, as we look at it on today, let's, let's begin to slow down. First thing, let's slow down. The second thing is I want for us to not get caught up in all of the juicy and salacious details of what's going on here. This woman who was caught in these these situations. Let, let's 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 move away from the salacious and juicy details of all that's going on. I've heard people preach about this and they spend so much time talking about all that's going on with this woman that they tend to miss the point of the text. And so let's let's move away from all that stuff and let's begin to keep our eyes open so we can really see what's taking place here. What are the motivations and movements behind the scene that are moving these individuals to do the things that they're doing? Now, dear ones, in verse three, notice what we're told in verse three. It says, and the scribes and Pharisees brought unto Jesus a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst now. We are told here that the scribes and the Pharisees bring to Jesus a woman who was taken in adultery. And we are told here, dear ones, that upon coming to Jesus, that they set this woman in the midst. They set her in the midst. Now, in the Greek, as you look at that phrase taken in, as you look at the phrase taken in in the Greek, dear ones, that is giving the picture of someone who is being forcefully and aggressively and in a hostile manner grabbed and then pulled somewhere. 
And so we're given the picture of this individual who is being in a very aggressive and hostile way grabbed and then pulled somewhere. And that phrase set in the midst when it says they set her in the midst. There was that is giving the picture of someone who is being forced to stand in front and in full view of everyone else. So they're grabbing this woman. And they're dragging her before Jesus and they're forcing her to stand in the full view of everybody there, including Jesus. Lord have mercy. Now, dear ones, we are given the picture here and I want everybody to use your spiritual imagination. Those of you watching on Facebook, use your spiritual imagination because we're given the picture here of an individual who has not been given the opportunity to compose themselves. This person has not been given the opportunity to compose themselves. They are someone who more than likely has not been given the chance to even clothe themselves. Lord have mercy. This individual is not having eat that. She hasn't even been given the chance to grab something to put on, to grab something to cover herself up. She's being grabbed and pulled before Jesus. We're given the picture of somebody who is being aggressively and forcefully dragged somewhere. This is an individual who is being now made to stand in full view of everybody that is there. And she is being accused of something that could cost her her life. Lord have mercy. And so we're given the picture of this individual who is being forcefully dragged. She's in full view of everybody. She's standing there before Jesus in full view of all the people with the gawking eyes and the, 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 the condemning glares. She's standing there in front of everybody. And she's standing there being accused of a crime that in that day could cost her her life. Now, it is because of what we see taking place here, dear ones, and what we are told in the scriptures of how they began to treat this woman, that it helps us to see the first two tendencies and the first two uh, characteristics that being self-righteous will have on a person. When a person becomes self-righteous, there are certain traits and tendencies that they begin to show and display. And so we're given the first two here in the text. The first one is this, dear ones. Being self-righteous can cause a person to lose their ability to be kind, to lose their ability to be merciful and gracious to other people. When you're self-righteous, you lose the ability to be kind to other folk. You lose the ability to be gracious and merciful to other people because here we go now, because in your mind, they don't deserve to be treated that way. They don't deserve to be treated like that. They don't deserve that. So, so self-righteousness can cause you to lose your ability to be merciful, to be kind, to be gracious toward other folk. Maybe I'm the only person that's ever found themselves and the Holy Ghost had to come and say, you know what? You're you kind of full of self-righteousness right about now. You, 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 you're not representing me. You're representing you and how you feel about the situation and how you feel things need to be handled and how you feel that person needs to be treated. That's you. They ain't got nothing to do with me. But I'm right. But they were wrong. And they deserve to be treated that way. I'm so glad God doesn't do us like that. Amen. How many of y'all glad God doesn't do you like that? Yes. How many of you watching glad God doesn't do you like that? Yes. They were right. I'm right. They were wrong. They deserve that. 
I'm so glad we serve a merciful God. But the second trait that self-righteousness begins to show, dear ones, is being self-righteous can cause a person to act in ways that are just mean, that are harsh, that are disrespectful toward other people and uncaring of how others feel or how, how others are impacted by things. You, you, you begin to act harsh and mean and disrespectful. And you do that, dear ones, because in your mind, here we go now, they deserve to be treated that way. For what they did, for how they were acting, they deserve that. And so, dear ones, we see the first two traits of what self-righteousness does to a person. But let's, let's move on in the text. Notice what we're told in verses 4 and 5. It says, And they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? What do you say, Jesus? We know what Moses said because we got that. But Jesus, what are you saying? We just want to hear what you got to say before the rock party starts. Before the rock party begins, Jesus, we just want to know your, your opinion on this whole situation. We got a situation with us and we just want to know your opinion on this situation. Now, dear ones, the fact that they tell Jesus that they caught this woman in the very act of committing adultery establishes for us that her guilt and her culpability for committing this sin was beyond anyone's ability to question it. The simple fact that we're told in the text twice that they caught this person in the very act of doing this. It establishes for us that she actually did do this. She is guilty. You cannot deny the fact that this person is guilty of what they are accusing her of. Also, dear ones, the fact that Moses did write about this in the law that the Lord gave to him was also a point that was beyond anyone's question to, to, uh, to deny or to doubt. Moses did write about this. He did talk about this in the law that God gave to him. And everyone there, Jesus and everybody there knew that. So that was beyond anyone's question to, to, to deny it or to act like it wasn't really there. But what we see happening here, dear ones, is these individuals are conveniently leaving out some very important pieces of information. They are conveniently leaving out certain things like hold your finger here in John. And let's all real quickly. Let's turn to Leviticus, the 20th chapter. I'm going to read verse 10 and then I'm going to go over to Deuteronomy 22. But first, let's look at Levitic, Leviticus, the 20th chapter. I'm going to read verse 10. Notice what we're told there. The Lord says there to Moses in the law, he says, and the man that commits adultery with another man's wife, even he that commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. The text says the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. Now jump over to De- jump over to Deuteronomy the twenty second chapter verse twenty two. Notice what the Lord says there to Moses. He says, "If a man be found lying with a woman married to a husband, then they both of them shall die. Both the man that lay with the woman and the woman, so shall you put evil away from Israel." So in both passages of Scripture, the Lord says to us that both the man and the woman need to be brought and addressed. Not one or the other, but both. And dear ones, 
So, so we're, we're told this. Now, the, the fact that their own testimony was that they caught this woman in the very act of committing adultery is itself indicting against them. Because what that means, dear ones, is if they caught her in the very act of doing it, then that means that they must have seen two people there. Lord have mercy. So their own testimony is indicting them. Because if they walked in and saw them there, and they see her and she's in the very act, where's that other person? What happened? What did other brother at? Hello, dear ones. This is Pastor Michael Fields. And here at the end of today's broadcast, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you to all of you for taking the time out of your day to tune in and listen to our program. My hope is that today's broadcast has been a blessing to you in some way and has helped you in your walk and in your relationship with the Lord. And I want to encourage all of you to tell a friend about this program and join us here next time as we look into the riches of God's Word in order to find a word for life. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.